0: Thank you for subscribing to the Shepherd's Church Podcast. This is our Lord's Day Sermon. We pray that as we declare the Word of God, that you would be encouraged, strengthened in your faith, and that you would catch a greater vision of who Christ is. May you be blessed in the hearing of God's Word, and may the Lord be with you. We're, uh, in in some respects, we're a, a church with some quirky folk in it. <laughs> I'm one of those quirky people. Uh, people can often be uh, surprised by some of the things that are, that are my quirks, that are among my quirks. Uh, one of them in particular is um, I can be a stickler for words. Uh, so one of the things that I uh, tend to insist on, I'm not, my record isn't perfect on it, uh, but I, I typically will insist on personally and, and in our home is that we never call our, our children kids. And when I say never again, we do our best to do this. We're not perfect in it, but because words matter, right? Uh, the word "kids" is, is re- reference to a, a baby goat, right? And in the Bible, we see you know God, you know Jesus. He, he's, he has this dichotomy between the, obviously the people of God and the people uh, of the serpent, the enemy, the people, the people who hate uh, who hate God, uh, worldly people, uh, and he calls the people of God sheep and the world. Uh, goats. And so I'm like, well, I don't have kids. I have children. <laughs> and so I want to, I'm a, it's a little bit, I'm a little bit of a stickler for it because I believe that my children are part of the visible people of God. Certainly they're part of the church. Uh, and I believe, and I want to speak over them, um, that they are numbered among God's people. They are among God's sheep. I don't want them to, to think that I view them as A baby goat just grown up in this world to be to remain a worldly goat for their entire lives so again it's I can be a bit of a stickler about it within my home because uh, I can be it's one of my quirks But anyways I'm not saying that everyone here must start calling your children uh, children not kids that's uh, that's not uh, what I'm gonna say this morning but I share that at the outset here to say that the things that we believe should impact the way that we live our lives Right? The things, I have that standard. We have that, Lena and I have that kind of rule or or best practice in our home because we believe something. And so whenever we believe something and really believe it, it should have an impact on the way we live our lives. Last week, we looked at the importance of our children and the work that God is doing to fulfill his promises to Abraham and to Abraham's seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked specifically last week at Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19 where God says to Abraham for I have chosen him meaning Abraham so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him essentially the Lord is teaching us that he intends to bring about the promised blessing of all the earth through Abraham and and his seed Uh, He's going to do that through Abraham's teaching of his children and household after him to keep the way of the Lord. And and that is the purpose even for why God has chosen Abraham. The reason why God knows him is so that he would teach his household so that he would bring about his promises. And this same thing is true for us. God intends to bring about the world-swallowing kingdom of Jesus Christ, which will bless all the families of the earth through the work of his people, the church, specifically and normatively, not only, but normatively, in their commanding of their children and households to keep the way of the Lord and to continue the work until it is completed. Again, we talked last week about you know, some other important things that happen in the life of the church, missions and evangelism. Uh, these are important things and these are good things uh, when done rightly. But normatively, God would have us to grow his kingdom through the baptizing and teaching of our young people, In the ways of the Lord As he patiently builds his kingdom And saves his elect As we talked about last week We see through history You know with groups like the the Shakers That an utter reliance on evangelism uh, And adult conversion Is a recipe for ultimate disaster Uh, To the point now for the Shakers You can hardly call them a group at all uh, Because there's only two of them One more If they lose one more person They're not even a group anymore They're just a person There's a Shaker over there (laughs) And what is a shaker if there's only one? If you only have one salt shaker? You need a salt and a pepper shaker. Anyways, I I digress. That's not in my notes, but I couldn't help myself. And so the principle, namely the importance of our children to God, and therefore, uh, to what is important to this community, right? This is important to God, and so we want this to be important to this community here, very specifically. uh, That as we look to be built up for the works that God has prepared for us to walk in, uh, not only today, but in the future and generations to come, we want to remember this principle, that this is how God would have us to work primarily. We want this to be a fuel um, that drives our behavior. And so today we're going to look to gain more direction from God's Word on how we are to live with this end in view. If that's the end, if, that's the, if in principle that's where we're going, that's what God is doing, how do we live today uh, in order to, to move the needle, as it were, uh, in that direction? So we're going to start in Pro- Proverbs 12. Uh, Verse 1 is going to be kind of our base text, just just to kind of be a springboard. We're going to be kind of all over the Scripture today. But Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. If we desire to honestly say that we love the end that we look forward to, that we love the truths of how God intends for us to live, if we are going to be a people who dares to say that we love the doctrines, oh, we love post-millennialism, then that knowledge of doctrine better lead to a disciplined life of obedience unto God through the power of His Spirit. We can't just say that we love that. Oh, that's a great, that's a great uh, theological doctrine. I love it so much. I love that knowledge. If you love that knowledge, you will love the discipline that comes with it. That's what Proverbs 12.1 is teaching us. And so We're going to really dig into the disciplines Uh, that God would have us to to learn and to live in, uh, in light of our love for the knowledge that He will build this kingdom uh, through the work uh, of His church. So let's pray as we begin uh, this morning uh, and ask God for His help. Father, we do thank You uh, this morning that as we do come before You, uh, as we've stated, we can come uh, knowing that we are welcomed here in Your presence, uh, that we are uh, welcomed not because of ourselves, not because of our ability to to do the things that we've talked about in the reading of the law, to do the things that we'll uh, look at today. We're not welcomed because of our ability, Lord, but rather we are welcomed because of the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, help us this morning to cling to Him, uh, to be driven into Your arms, Lord, that Your Spirit would uh, would comfort us, would build us up uh, for the works that You've given, uh, that You are preparing us for, uh, that ultimately they would glorify You, uh, Lord, and even uh, they would be, uh, we'd be able to look back uh, uh, in eternity uh, to the ways that you've you that you used what seems like really small, day to day mundane things uh, to build your kingdom that covers the entire earth. Lord, help us uh, to to be excited about the prospects uh, that come from from looking at what you'd have us to do, uh, and in the knowledge that you would give to us, Lord, to to know what we have to do. Lord, help us then to take that knowledge uh, and to. Build it into our lives. Lord, may your spirit help us uh, to really uh, embrace uh, the work that you have for us. Help this morning. uh, God, by your spirit, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we said last week, uh, our embrace of children comes with the end in mind. In many ways, it's about the future. Uh, But this embrace can't only be forward-looking. We see very clearly, rather, in the scriptures that God demonstrates uh, his love for children. He, he demonstrates a great use for children, uh, and he demonstrates a great desire that children would even know him as children. Uh, he doesn't love children because they might someday know him. God loves children, he desires that they know him as children. So, not merely for their utility to him does God love the children. We see in Matthew nineteen fourteen, uh, Jesus says, Let the little children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to to such as these, uh, it's not just because God thinks that they could be, they could be useful in, in the works uh, that He has. That is certainly true. But God wants them. He desires them. He loves uh, the children. Uh, further, God has promised to bring about His kingdom not only through the covenantal succession of children, which is the principle that we're kind of talking about here, being raised up in the way of the Lord. Right? That's He's not uh, only through that showing His use for them. Um, but he's even said that he would use children as children. Psalm 8.2 says, From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you, God, have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. One of the ways God displays and exercises his strength is actually through the mouth of babes, as it were, because they're assigned to the enemy and to the revengeful of their sure destruction. God uses children as children as a sign to his enemies that he will accomplish what he said he will accomplish. And finally, God, again, has a great desire to know all of us, right? But a lot of us are past the earliest days of our lives. Uh, and so, God, but God does have a desire to know the children here in our midst early in their lives. Uh, he's not kind of waiting them out for when they get to their teenage years or graduate from college. God desires to know uh, to know all of us uh, in the early years, Ecclesiastes 12:1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, "I have no delight in them." Too often, young people, even young adults, will act indifferent to the things of God because, why bother now? You know, I don't need to do that now. They think that you know they have so much time left, right? That there's no need to do that thing, that, that church thing yet. Meaning no need, what they actually mean, is that no need to obey God, the creator, uh, at this point. But Solomon, here in Ecclesiastes 12, is exhorting young people to remember God, not someday, but today. Don't waste your youngest years when you have the most energy, the most potential, the most opportunity. That's in the earliest part of your life. Don't use that time to serve your sin and to serve the devil Again, too many young people think they can serve the devil in their best years and then give God the leftovers at the end of their life. God wants your best. We see this throughout the scripture. God wants the first fruits. He wants the best. And our youth is the first fruits. God wants that. Uh, and so he, we owe that to him. And so to young people, give that to him today. Uh, particularly the young children. Uh, give God your youth. And so again... Uh, these things these points I'm I'm making here kind of at the outset are are, are meant to just reinforce what we learned last week uh, that God has great purposes for the world he's building a kingdom that's going to cover and bless uh, the entire earth he said and he has said that the principal way he's going to do that the way he's going to build that kingdom um, you know Abraham this is how I'm going to do it Israel this is how I'm going to do it church this is how I'm going to do it he's going to do that through the raising of your children and your household after you to follow the way of the Lord I'm going to do it I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna give you, fulfill this promise I made to you through you teaching and commanding your households. And furthermore, God's interest in children is not merely about the best way. Again, it's not that he's doing this just because this is the way that he that just because it's the best way to do it, but it's because he loves the children. He wants to use the children, and in fact, does use the children as children to smite his enemies. And he desires the children to know him from their youngest years. Uh, that they may offer up their whole lives as a living sacrifice to him. And so now, kind of with that, I guess, summary and uh, recap, uh, how, how we want to, how we then respond, right? How do we live, right? We believe these things, now how do we live in light of them? Well, uh, as, Apostle, as the Apostle Peter tells us uh, in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, uh, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self control, and in your self control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are many knowledgeable men and women and children. Here, or uh, even in Reformed Christian circles more broadly, Um, not exclusively the case, but in in my experience, very knowledgeable uh, families, people who are very well thought out in their beliefs. Uh, They understand biblical concepts. They're able to think through the Bible's teaching uh, very logically. Even Again, even children are able to do this well. Um, In a lot of uh, good Reformed churches, you'll see families who are raising up their children under the teaching of the Westminster Standards, uh, my children are brought up under that We go through the Westminster Shorter Catechism at home We also do that here as a church every week right? So you can meet children and families Who are uh, quite knowledgeable about the Christian faith early on who they, And they understand uh, the Bible's teaching on uh, various topics But at the same time, if we're not diligent We can also fall into this trap uh, Where we start to equate our knowledge with our godliness But that uh, is not the case biblically You could know it all. Paul says you could have all knowledge, but we could be lacking in the qualities uh, that would lead us to bear fruit. And this text in 2 Peter is reminding us that our knowledge is not the final evidence. That's in there. That's in his sort of progression of godliness that confirms that our calling and election is sure. Uh, But that is not the final evidence of our faith. Rather, in Christ, we bear fruit that demonstrates, as Peter says in verse 8, demonstrates our true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are to be able to say that we truly know the Lord, uh, then it is going to bear fruit that is in keeping with repentance. Uh, Because as James says in his letter, faith without works is dead. And so we have to learn to apply these things to our lives. Uh, And this is really important for children. Because again, children, they're really good at learning facts. right? They pick things up really quickly um, when it comes to head knowledge, less so when it comes to physical knowledge and discipline. (laughs) It can be a little bit more tricky with children. But it's still something that is critical for them to learn, to, to help them to see their theology come out of their fingertips. They can believe these things, and then how do we live? I love that quote, Doug, this is from Pastor Doug Wilson. Uh, your theology should come out of your fingertips, right? You should be living the things that you say that you believe, uh, and so it's critical that we learn how to do this well, uh, particularly for children. Again, they're sponges, they, they soak it all in. So how do we help them to live out the things that we're teaching them? Uh, it's more than just teaching them head knowledge. It is teaching them uh, a way of life, a way to live the way of the Lord. So with all that, uh, we're going to kind of jump in now to a lot of application. As I mentioned last week, that was really kind of setting the, the principle, this is what God has, ha- has for us. This is really, uh, th- that's foundational. Without that, we, the rest of this is a little bit less uh, critical. But we understand this is how God is going to do the work that he's going to do. And so then how do we kind of live that out on the day-to-day? And I'm going to start, I'm going to work uh, this morning and trying to apply that uh, to all of us here, um, not exhaustively, uh, kind of higher level, but at least things for us to think about, things, to, things for us to dig deeper into of how they might come to bear in our own homes. Uh, but I'm going to work on applying that uh, by uh, first to the children, uh, speaking directly to them, uh, and then to parents, and then to us more broadly as a community. Uh, again, this is not exhaustive. Uh, only meant to be uh, kind of high-level introductory view of how we're to obey God in this area. Um, particularly, I guess, even to say how our children uh, should aim to obey God in the way that they live their lives. As we've discussed, as I mentioned, uh, you know, children are too often ignored in, uh, and worse yet, in many cases, dismissed from the Christian church by their own parents. Uh, I think it's terrible. Tragedy that this happens um, That that many Christian parents are are quite okay Uh, Even desirous will will not even go to a church um, That does not allow for them to dismiss their own children from their presence Um, I don't mean to say it so forcefully But it it can be, it's a sad thing Uh, Many churches functionally uh, will treat children as pagans To be evangelized someday, just not today uh, Because they're not able to uh, stay seated in a way that we would like them to Um, but they'll wait uh, to treat them. They'll treat them as pagans until they get older uh, and then they can choose it for themselves because I mean, we also wouldn't want to impose anything on our own children. That would, be, that would be terrible. That would be terrible. But nature abhors a vacuum. And so if you don't teach your children, somebody else is going to teach your children. That will happen. You can't ignore that. Uh, and so this morning, uh, speaking directly to the young people, again, I, I, I'd love for you to hear this. Uh, the primary way in which you honor God uh, and live a life that uh, is is being lived in light of the principle that God is going to uh, bring about His world-swallowing kingdom someday, Uh, the primary way for you to honor God is to believe in Him, to trust His promises. And you can do this even as a child. Uh, This is not something that you are unable to do. Uh, Believe in God and trust His promises. Hebrews 3, 12 through 19. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long it st- as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hear his, fo- his voice, this is reference to Psalm 95, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt uh, led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. doesn't matter how many times you've been to church, It doesn't matter, you know, for for young people, if you were baptized or even baptized on the eighth day, that does not matter if you do not believe. Uh, If you've hardened your heart towards God, then you will not enter His rest. And so young people believe in God. He's called you to believe in Him and and trust in Him, have faith in Him. And what's more, we're not Gnostics here, meaning we don't believe that as long as you just say that you believe, that then all the, the way that you live doesn't really matter, you, know, you say that you believe, and yet you live a very undisciplined life. Again, I'm speaking to children. That, that's Just because you're a child, you can't have that excuse of, I'm, I'm just a child, that's why I do these things. You say that you believe. Uh, the way that you live still matters. As long as you know the right answers to the catechism, you know, we, we can be tended to think that we've, we've done our part, but we're wrong in thinking that. The way that you live matters. And here in Hebrews... Uh, the author has belief in view when he talks about obedience. Right? Belie- obedience is defined as faith. Verse 18 says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? In verse 19, So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Their unbelief was their disobedience. Their disobedience proved their unbelief. And so you must believe in God. You must do so rightly, yes. But further, you must obey God. Um, An application always uh, application of this command to believe always goes beyond just knowing the facts. Just knowing, just having the head knowledge, has to come out of your fingertips because faith without works is dead. And so, children again believe in God, trust in Him. After that, after belief, again this has that has to be primary. If I didn't start with that. I'd be beside myself. I think that's how the expression goes. That would be crazy. You have to start with belief. This is critical for all of us, including our children. But after that, the next most important way for you children to obey God is to honor your father and mother. The fifth commandment, we read it earlier, from Exodus 20, verse 12, uh, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And the Apostle Paul repeats this same command. Twice in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter six, verses one through three, and in Colossians three, verse twenty. But Ephesians six, one through three, he says, "Children, obey your parents." And he's writing this to children, right? He's writing to the church and he's speaking directly to the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Children owe their parents obedience before God. Right, if we are to say that we honor God, we love God, uh, if, if a child is to say that, then they owe their parents obedience. Again, we are all imperfect here, so I want to be clear. I'm not saying that any child that disrespects or dishonors their parents once, what have we done? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. right? Uh, we are all imperfect, especially children that have weaker frames. Uh, but we, and we need to acknowledge that and, and uh, deal with them in, that, in light of that but they still owe their parents obedience. This is the command from God. Uh, you must obey your parents. You must honor them, for this is right, and it's well-pleasing to the Lord, Paul says in Colossians 3.20. And the beauty of this, what I love about this command so much, and Paul says it's the first command with the promise, because it, it, you know, he's saying that there is something, there's a really promised result of this, a blessing of this to your life. The, the beauty of this command, uh, I think, is that we see the glory and the benefit for all involved, right? God is not stingy. Uh, He is so gracious and uh, and generous to his people. So we we notice here that, first of all, God is well-pleased, right? When a child obeys their parents, this pleases the Lord. He is well-pleased by it. (laughs) Second, parents are honored, right? So God is pleased, parents are honored, and children receive a promised blessing. It will be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. God is so generous to us that as he calls us to obey him, Uh, He's actually promising blessing, not only to the children, but to the parents, Uh, It's it's to the entire society in general. It's an amazing picture to me, just that one command of God's generosity to his people. God's not frivolous with his commands. He's not seeking something from us that he's lacking uh, or that is only for his benefit. He's not doing that just to make himself feel better. He doesn't need us for that. But God's law is good, and it is good for us to obey him. And so, again, children, believe God and honor your father and mother and receive the blessings that he promises. And this is probably important to say that even in situations where parents are not great, because a lot of parents aren't. Um, All parents are imperfect, um, but there are some that are a lot worse than other parents. uh, And that's important to acknowledge. Uh, And yet, children still owe their parents honor. Um, Parental authority can be disrupted when it's ungodly, but it can never be eliminated. A child can never justify a total rebellion against their parents. Even in the case where a child becomes a Christian in an unbelieving home, right, he still owes honor and respect to his father and his mother. Uh, it's good for him, actually, to do that. And so don't fall into temptation to stray from this command because... You know, we can go through the what if exercise all day. Well, what if this or that? Don't do that. Don't, don't convince yourself that you don't have to obey God because there's some situation out there that seems like it wouldn't be necessary. Avoid sin in this regard and always honor your father and mother. There'd be varying degrees, again, but we honor our father and mother. Proverbs 30, 11 to 14 teaches us that there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. We live in times like this, I'd say, certainly. Uh, I think probably many people would be able to say that throughout history, though. us, like, oh, you know. Which is not—it's not wise to say, "Oh, I miss the good old days." That is not wise. The Scripture teaches that. But I do think that we see a generation today, uh, Zoomers—I think they call themselves—that uh, <laughs> that you know, they certainly they have a dis a disdain for their father and mother, for those who have come before them. Uh, they despise their elders. They despise authority. They think that they know everything. Right? They're wise in their own eyes. And so, children, don't be corrupted by that type of wicked company. Uh, especially those of you who, who maybe have a lot of friends who are not uh, Christians. And that's not just to, to, to the children, but to parents as well. If your children are around, a lot of uh, other children who would be negative influences, which we'll talk more about uh, in a little bit. You have to be, be aware of these things, that these things can corrupt the minds of a child. Uh, but children, trust God. Learn from those He's placed over you and seek His kingdom. Uh, trust Him. Obey your parents. Uh, don't be... Uh, don't be working uh, in, in league with the generation that, that hates uh, its father and uh, does not bless its mother. I think Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 encourages us uh, and children specifically well in this. that Hear, my son, your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's, your mother's teaching. Uh, indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Uh, they are a blessing to you. Uh, the blessings of God await those who honor their parents. And so you do well to start that at a young age. Uh, Don't wait until you're old enough to say, oh yeah, my parents were pretty good. I really gave them a hard time. Don't wait for that. You don't need to. You can can be a blessing to them today. uh, And that is a good thing, and it's good for you to do that as well. Now, it's important uh, also, children, that you don't stop at only honoring your father and mother and the authorities around you. You have to believe, you have to obey God, you have to honor your parents, but you also must grow in your obedience to God over time. Uh, and the most effective way that you can do this is not of yourselves, obviously, just like none of this is really of ourselves. This is the work of God's Spirit in us. Uh, but the most effective way to do this over time is to become, is to be disciplined. As we read earlier from uh, Proverbs 12.1, uh, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Uh, there are few things as important for children as growing in discipline and self-control. And we can see this has been lacking for so long in our culture when you look at that utter lack of discipline really that's among, again, that Zoomer generation. Laziness, sexual immorality, pornography, riots, all that sort of, statues being toppled. It's, it's to the point where it's embarrassing even really to exist in this culture because the children are just so destructive and dishonoring and they have an undisciplined. Where things don't go their way, they go crazy. These are adults acting like children. Uh, Again, it's proof that, uh, to me, of the fifth commandment, where you have these cultures who are not honoring their ancestors, not honoring those who came before them. uh, And because of that, they will not live long on the earth. Our culture society is dying, right? It's fading away uh, because our children are not honoring their father and mother. Uh, That's on the national level. Uh, And within this church, though, that's why we have to work against it. We have, to be, we, ha- we have to be raising children that honor their father and mother, generations that honor those who came before them. And the Lord promises blessing to us, uh, to this people, when we do that. But if we lose sight of that, if we don't take care of the children and helping them to grow in discipline, uh, and if you children don't heed that and actually grow in discipline over time, uh, then it will all fade away, just like our society around us is crumbling. Again, it's critical that you prepare yourself for the future uh, in your childhood years. Uh, Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. One day, that will be you. You will be a man or a woman someday, and you can't continue to think and act and uh, reason like a child. You have to be able to do those things like an adult. You have to learn how to do those things. Uh, and you, so you use your childhood years to develop those skills. I have too many skills, particularly when it comes to marriage and parenting, that I've learned as an adult, that I wish I would have learned as a child. Don't, so to so the children, don't wait till you're an adult to learn some of these things. The Lord has given you a great blessing in your family and in the church. Learn those things while you're young so that you'll be ready when you are an adult. Uh, so seek discipline now, put away childish things uh, wh- as you grow older. Uh, and if you are disciplined now, if you seek those things now, you'll actually be able to set them as- aside. You won't be controlled uh, and owned by your sin uh, so much because you will have been working against it all of your life. Uh, don't stop at knowledge, but seek true knowledge, as Peter said, um, which is a discipline that leads to godliness, which glorifies God. And remember, Proverbs 20:11. Uh, it's not what you know uh, or what your parents do that sets you apart. It is, Proverbs 20:11 says, it is by his deeds that a lad, a young man, uh, a child, distinguishes himself. If his conduct is pure and right. right. We'll have a lot of children who will profess to be Christians, uh, or maybe they won't even profess to be Christians, but they'll just be here as part of the Christian community. And that's good and right. We want them here to be clear. But a young person will distinguish themselves. They, will, they are setting themselves apart by how they act, by their deeds. Among God's people, uh, it's not merely that we can say the right things. It is that we honor God with our lives. We, we, should, we demonstrate that we believe in Him, and our theology comes out of our fingertips for our respect for our parents and authority uh, and the growth in the godly, Christian, disciplined life. And finally, children... Uh, last application I'll do for the children uh, is uh, to remember your baptism uh, many of the children here are baptized, some are not and that is okay um, but it's important to remember uh, for the children here that are baptized um, and that will be baptized uh, that God has placed his mark upon you uh, and that you belong to him so if you ever struggle uh, i am got to honor my parents today remember your baptism uh, struggle with a pervasive sin uh, or you know, lack of uh, self-control in something, anger, uh, you know, not sharing with a sibling, or uh, a lack of love or care for those around you, remember your baptism. Paul says in Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Paul's saying that when when you're wondering to yourself, like, well, maybe sinning is not the worst thing. Grace will abound. Remember that you have been baptized. That's where this, that expression comes from. We say that often. Remember your baptism. It means something. It means something. You've been baptized into Christ. God has placed his mark upon your body. Your physical body as a sign to you that you belong to him and to his kingdom through the death of Christ. And your body belongs to him. Children, look, look back there. Your body belongs to him. When you, when you want to react in a way that lacks self-control uh, and you just you want to react in a fit of anger. Your body belongs to God. He's put his mark upon it. Uh, and your body owes obedience to him. Uh, remember your baptism. Do not trample underfoot the Son of God. Instead, again, remember what God has done for you in Christ uh, and what he's given to you in life. Uh, remember your baptism. Uh, obviously, and we'll talk more about this as we apply this to parents, a lot of the children here don't, can't remember the actual moment of their baptism. They are baptized as... Children, remember the meaning of your baptism. It means that you belong to God and your body belongs to Him. Uh, and God will not have company uh, with, uh, with sin. So do not uh, let it abide. Great job, kids. Just kidding. Oh my goodness, I just called them kids. Great job, children. Great job. Great job. So... Again, it's important. We have to understand how to apply these things, how we how we live out the things that we uh, believe. And so, for even for children, uh, off, too often ignored, uh, these things are important. Now, for parents, uh, having said all these things about children, we, we have to remember that they are just children, right? They they are of a weaker frame than we are. Uh, they they're weaker in, in mind and in body, uh, especially the really young ones, right? And they need to learn. Um, but they can't learn without being taught. And someone will teach them, as we said. So we have to understand uh, that there is significant application here to parents. When we talk about being a, a church that wants to be built strong for generations to come, that means that we have, we have a high expectation for our children someday. That means we have a high expectation for parents today. right? So I, it's really important that we understand that God has called us to, to live in a certain way uh, in light of what he has promised to do. Just as he says to Abraham in Genesis 18, 19, I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Children are a vital part of God's calculus in the building of his kingdom. And so parents have an incredible responsibility uh, in the the preparation of those children for the work that God has for them. Uh, And so parents... Your, your, your responsibilities are, are obvious, fairly, right? I think naturally obvious that we, as parents, have responsibilities to our children. Um, they're simple, but they're also critical. Uh, and if, they are, uh, if we lack in them, then uh, the damage could be significant. So, first uh, command, or first, first thing for parents to consider uh, as a point of application in how we uh, are built strong for generations to come, that we have children who, who love God, uh, is the same command as we touched on for children. Parents must believe. Right? Parents, if you are to do well in your raising up of your children, if you're to do well in anything before God, then you must believe Him. You must trust Him in His promises in Christ. You must believe the gospel. You must humble yourself as a sinner before Him. Look to Christ's life and death as the only means for your justification. And you must humbly trust his Holy Spirit to help you to also grow in grace over time, right? Because you're not perfect. Uh, just because your, your children may struggle with sins that you don't struggle with anymore does not mean that you don't struggle with any sins. Uh, and so it's important that parents humbly come before God in their parenting uh, and believe him and trust him uh, and, uh, and ask uh, for his help in the raising of godly children. Second point of application for parents is to be worthy of imitating. Uh, This is a a, a large one, right? So a lot can be caught up under here. Again, I'm looking at this from a high-level perspective, but uh, be worthy of imitating to your children. In Ephesians 5.1, as Paul is kind of gearing up to provide household instruction to the church, he's building up to his point by saying at the beginning of chapter 5, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And I think that Paul here is, is appealing to a generally accepted truth uh, related to the topic that he's about to address, to address in the household. Essentially saying that as I get ready now to tell you about how households should treat each other, right? how each of you should treat one another in your, in your station, let me remind you that the people in a household are generally going to treat each other in a way that they learned to treat other people. right? So you, even as parents, likely will treat your children in a way that you learned to treat children from your parents. And so Paul's appealing to, I think, a a general reality here. Christians, be imitators of God. Learn from him, because you are his children, and he's going to be the best example you could ever have. Uh, And getting ready, diving into these household topics here, uh, because most children are going to learn how to treat each other from the way that you, husbands, treat your wives. Wives, you treat your husbands. uh, And fathers and mothers, the way that you treat your children. So be be worthy of imitating uh, as a Christian parent. Uh, you have a great opportunity to provide a good and godly example to your children. Uh, and at the same time you have an opportunity to provide a really poor and ungodly example to your children. Uh, it's a critical it's a critically important that we as parents uh, are really giving uh, our children a picture Uh, into who God is, because he's created us this way, that we would learn behavior, especially, again, as children, uh, in those early years, it's such a concentrated way for them to learn how we are to act and to live. Your children will imitate you, and so we we need to be mindful of that, and we need to live a life that's worthy of imitating uh, as Christian parents. And as Paul progresses in Ephesians, he gets a little bit more specific uh, about how that would look. He says in chapter six, verse four, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul speaking specifically to fathers, because ultimately they're the responsible authority in the home. God provides the negative command to fathers to avoid provoking your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger, which fathers are prone to do. Uh, typically by getting angry themselves. They are, they are often provoked to anger, sometimes or oftentimes by their children. Uh, and they, in doing so, are now going to provoke their children to anger. So again, be imitators. Be, wor- be a worthy uh, person uh, uh, to, to, be, to imitate, right? Imitate God. Don't act like you would in your flesh of getting angry um, at your children because you will provoke your own children to anger in doing so. Uh, But Paul doesn't stop with only the negative instruction, do not provoke your children to anger, uh, but a positive instruction as well. He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and teach your children. That's how uh, we are to live uh, or to to operate as parents. And I think that these are related, not only uh, only do I know that because they're in the same sentence here, but I think that they are related even to the point that I'd say they're just two sides of the very same coin. If you don't discipline and instruct your children, you are provoking them to anger uh, and disobedience. And And if you do uh, provoke your children to anger, uh, then you are showing your children a father who is nothing like the heavenly father that you're meant to be a picture of uh, for them. Uh, And so you're abdicating your responsibility to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it's two sides of the same coin. If you are provoking your children, you're not teaching them about who the Lord is and how we're to live in light of that. And if you are teaching them, or if you're not teaching them who the Lord is and how we're to live in light of that, you're provoking them to anger because they will disobey. Uh, in their nature, they hate God. They will disobey. Uh, and so you need uh, to be mindful of this and to teach uh, your children in light of that. And so what are some helpful ways uh, for, for us to do that, kind of uh, to, to avoid, not just fathers, but parents, both fathers and mothers, uh, to avoid provoking our children uh, to anger, first I'd say the key thing is engagement, uh, and not of the marriage variety. Uh, engage, actually be involved. Um, you have to actually discipline and teach your children. Uh, you can't make them fend for themselves in life. Too often, parents will justify letting their young children kind of go it alone as their way of of teaching them how to handle different situations. Right they'll basically say like, oh, well, I'm just letting them learn uh, as they go. I'm not really going to tell them how, how I think they should do it. I'm just going to let them learn. Uh, but how are they going to learn, how are they going to do those things or, or even operate in those things if you haven't taught them how they're to behave? Again, they're haters of God by nature. They will do disobedient things. And so we must be teaching them how to approach the world around them and not just throw them into kind of random situations and, and hope for the best. Uh, without properly setting expectations. Uh, we can't expect them to act in a righteous and God-honoring way if we're not disciplining uh, this God-hating nature out of them and instructing them in how to live. Um, and don't, I would say, don't let a fear of being overbearing, uh, again, that can happen and something that you also shouldn't do, uh, but don't let that, that fear of being overbearing prevent you from engaging as a parent. Right? Instead, remember that discipline, we discipline those that we love. Uh, He who withholds uh, his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Hebrews 12, 4-13 says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard... This is quoting the Lord here. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness." All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And therefore strengthen the hands that are weak. This is so perfectly applicable to children. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak of this body here, the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Uh, if we are going to have children who walk rightly in, in the body all right in, in, in the body of Christ in the church, uh, we're going to be strengthening strengthening them uh, when they start out weak. We're building them up for strength. Uh, and to be clear, when I talk about discipline, I'm not only talking about like the rod. That's not the only thing that I'm talking about here. When I talk about discipline, it just means disciple means student. Discipline means uh, teaching. Right. So this is about teaching our children to uh, to obey God to honor Him and to. Uh, and to be a people who, uh, who will be ultimately built up for uh, the lives that God would have for them to live as adults. Um, so that the rod is included, but it's not the only thing that I have in, in view here when I talk about discipline. Um, further, when it comes to our engagement, right, as parents, we need to remember that you can't teach self-control and discipline to your children if you yourself are lacking in these things. If you are prone to panic, uh, when things are a little bit crazy, then your, your children will panic in the face of uncertainty. If you are easily angered, uh, most commonly again seen with fathers or you know, any parents really that gets like visibly angry at their own children, scream at them, things like that you 're mad at them as you 're getting ready to to bring discipline right um, then in my opinion you 've disqualified yourself to provide discipline because. You are demonstrating the very same thing that you're trying to root out of your child. And you are no longer qualified in that moment to deliver that discipline. Um, you, you, we must be self controlled in our engagement. We must be able to uh, approach our children as their parents, right? Not as uh, a judge over them uh, when we're actually acting hypocritical, right? Uh, it's one thing to, to, to be a judge, the Lord has placed. Um, parents as an authority in the home uh, and so there is uh, a certain aspect where you do have you speak justice in that in that location uh, in that sphere uh, but it's important that your justice is good and righteous and fair uh, and if you are self, if you are lacking self-control and you're and you're disciplining of your child for their lack of self-control well we're, who's coming for you next? <laughs> the Lord you answer to him you answer to him And so it's important to remember that, that we must rule righteously uh, when it comes to the raising up of our children. Related to this, I'd say it's important for parents to make clear to their children what they expect of them, right? And to be consistent. You can't just kind of have no rules and and hope that they'll do well. I also also don't support the idea of like a a hundred rules for a hundred different situations. Uh, The Lord, he gave his law in 10 words, it's called. Ten words was sufficient for God to give His law to His people, and really that can be summed up in two laws. And so, as parents, we don't need a thousand laws to tell our children how to act and how to behave and what they should do, and nor should we uh, do that. We should be clear, we should be simple, and we should be consistent. Uh, Another helpful practice is unity uh, in the marriage. Husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, uh, really do need to be a team, a united front uh, with their children. Uh, should never be undermining one another in front of their children. They actually should be, again, worthy of imitation in that their children see that what God has joined together here in this home, no man can put asunder. No man can separate uh, what God has joined here in front of me. Not even your own children should be able to separate uh, what God has joined together uh, in your marriage. So that's a very critically important point when it comes to parenting and parenting well and raising godly uh, boys and girls. Uh, and so fathers, oftentimes you'll see fathers who will kind of laugh at the, you know, their, their children don't listen as well to their, to their wife. You know, ah, they don't really listen to you. It's kind of funny, you know, that they disobey. But it's really not. It's actually a shameful thing for a man uh, if when he is either right there uh, or even not in the room and his children are disrespecting and dishonoring his wife. Um, that's a shame upon that man uh, because the children... Uh, view his rule in the home so so lightly. They take it so lightly, and uh, they, they disrespect it so much that they would dare to dis- disrespect his own wife, um, just because he's not in the room. That's something for a man to to be to take care of and to make sure that his children understand that him and his wife are together. Uh, and mothers often will uh, not the Again, sins are common to men and women in, uh, in different ways, right? So mothers will tend to uh, not mock or laugh at a. Uh, a husband is not uh, effectively disciplining uh, his children. But mothers can tend so lord it over their husbands that they do most of the child rearing. They spend most of the time with the children, and so because of that, they always know best. Uh, you know, that essentially, uh, you know, they, they have more nurturing instincts, um, and therefore they're kind of the better parent, the more superior parent. Uh, and it kind of feeds into this modern caricature where, like, husbands are the the additional child in the home. Uh, yeah, I know it's, it's all over the place, but it's, that's really important. So we laugh, but it's actually critically important that Christian homes are not marked by that type of view of a husband and a father. Um, so wives, very important here, uh, wives and mothers, to submit to your husbands, even in parenting. Uh, not that husbands are always right, certainly not the case, at least not in my home. Um, but treat husbands like the father to your children that they are, not like another one of the rugrats, right? Um, and so another way, so that's an important one, unity in marriage, critically important. Another way to avoid provoking children to anger, seems really simple, but again, I think people really struggle with it, um, is to love your children. Their Children are a blessing and inheritance from the Lord. Uh, we should love them Um, We should be thankful for them. Christian children really should never have to wonder whether their parents love them uh, because Christian parents are meant to be a picture of the God who is love. Uh, And so Christian children should know better than any other children in the world that their parents love them, not only by their words, but by their actions as well. Uh, And then, almost done for parents. Uh, A lot can be said. A a lot can be said. Um, But uh, cultivating joy in children is critically important. I think a lot of times Christian parents can kind of act like dictators. Again, kind of a lot of rules type of stuff. Um, and, they'll, and this is why I think the Lord gives us warning to this, to not lord our authority over uh, the people around us. I think especially in the home, it's important uh, to cultivate joy in your children is critical. Christian children should be the happiest people in the world. They have the oracles from God at a young age, uh, and they have parents who should love them like God loves them. Uh, and so, be joyful and teach joy to your children. So, so critically important. Um, big part of that is find friends for them. Too many people will say like, "Oh, my, my, children will pick their own friends." Your children are not as good of a judge of character as you, hopefully. So, you should choose your children's friends for them. Be active in that because they'll have fun. They'll have more fun with their friends than with you. I've met too, too many parents who are like, oh, "I just want to be a fr- I just want to be a friend to my, to my, uh, to my children." Well, that's kind of rough. Like, you're going to get older. Like, you're not going to have the same interests as them. Like, help them to find good friends. You're not their friend. You're their parent. Right? So help them to find good friends that will bring a lot of joy to their lives. And the last thing for parents is to remind your children of their baptism. Um, again, they won't remember the actual occurrence of it for the most part, at least in a, a Presbyterian church like this. Um, but remind them of their baptism, remind them that they've been marked by God, that they belong to Him, that God has sovereignly placed them in your home because He loves them, right? So do that, care for your children in this way that uh, fills their life with an understanding that God, God loves them uh, and God, is, God desires for them to know Him and desires for them to honor and obey Him Uh, with all of their lives, uh, and that is a good thing. It's a blessing to them. It's not a burden on their back that they have to live their entire life in a Christian home. Oh, no. It should be the best thing that they could ever imagine uh, for themselves and then for their children after them. I would say, actually, uh, yeah, I don't want to skip this part, but I will say one of the key, uh, I think, principles here when it comes to viewing children uh, in your home as a parent is to view them not only at for, for who they are, but for their, their children to come. And so a really important uh, verse um, here, I won't go too deeply into it, but uh, a good man, Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So give your children an inheritance, something that will stick with them, that's beyond silver and gold, right? Teach, teach them about God, teach them to obey him, teach them to love and honor those around them, to do it with joy, this is an inheritance that's going to reap rewards for generations, right That'll be Psalm 128: "May you behold your children's children. Peace to Israel. This is what God would have for His people, and we should be a people who are laboring for that. Material inheritances are good, right? and that's a good thing. They're important things too. I, I don't reject that. I don't, I don't hold to the idea that you're never, I'm never leaving money to my children. It's, that's going to make them lazy. That's, I think that's silly um, we Inheritances, in, we have to view holistically. They're not only physical and material. But it's an important way to live our lives, that we do things not just for our children, but for our children's children. And now, as we prepare to close uh, this morning, we're going to look at the church, and this will be brief, uh, I promise. But uh, children, again, matter to God. So how does the church then, this community, how do we all come alongside one another? Uh, first thing is that we have to embrace the children, not merely put up with them. The children are necessary to the mission of the church, and we need to act like that. We need to, to teach them, love them, serve them, uh, and help in, their, in discipling them uh, with their parents uh, towards the life of godliness. Uh, the church also, like parents, should be a place where they find good company. There should be a place of good and godly people. So mind your own holiness. right? When you get frustrated at a child, mind your own holiness in that moment and say you know what, I want to be a place where that child's going to have good company that's not going to corrupt their character someday. Um, mind your own holiness that you and your children uh, may be good company to another family and to other children someday. Um, similar to parents, churches should be a place of great celebration and joy. Right? We need to be a people who are happy to be together, uh, not miserable and you know, kind of reluctant every week. Let's be a happy people that we get to come alongside one another and encourage each other. Uh, and not just have enough events that kind of fills a, you know, the fun quota. You know, we did X number of events. That doesn't matter. You actually have to be joyful in your heart because people will sense it. People know. Uh, I get around that person. That guy's a kind of miserable. You know, I don't have anybody in mind, to be clear. I'm, but you know, people know. People can tell when people are not a joyful uh, people. It doesn't matter how many events they do together, uh, but our joy that's in our heart should come to bear in how we teach, how we sing, how we learn and how we treat each other. Um, An important one is that churches should be a place of respite for families, uh, for troubled families in particular. Too often counseling is sent out to the secular therapists and often the solutions are destroying families, uh, divorce, telling children that it's all their parents' fault, uh, telling husbands and wives that they should uh, leave one another, uh, and chemically destroying children just because they have a lot of energy. Uh, these things are terrible, terrible things. And so, how does the church serve families uh, and young people? It's be a place for respite for them. If you have a child that has a lot of energy and you have a really tough time, you're really struggling to teach them self-control and discipline. Don't, don't go to uh, you know the, the ADHD, you know over-the-counter medications or any of the medications. Over-the-counter doesn't matter. Ridiculous qualifier. You don't need. To, I mean, there could be situations where the chemicals things are 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 real. But in general, we need to come to the church uh, and to look for counseling and help um, to to help those children with uh, their discipline and self-control. Not just put uh, medications uh, as the solution to to make them zombies. Um, along the same lines, and this is uh, where we'll get kind of to the end here. Uh, the church owes it to the children to teach them um, to teach them the faith rightly. The church owes it. Uh, To all of us to do this, but to the children in particular, we owe them uh, the faithful uh, word passed down from the apostles. Uh, We cannot lose that. Uh, The church must be a place where parents find assistance and help in their training up of a child in the way that he should go. So that when he gets older, he will not depart from it. Uh, And then lastly, churches must be a place uh, where children are reminded of and are baptized. Uh, It is good Uh, For a child to understand and to know tangibly that they belong to God by covenant, uh, and it's His intention that He would use them even from their youngest age. So uh, we must be a place where uh, the children do find uh, that. Uh, They find a a place that embraces them and loves them uh, and marks them, marks their belonging through baptism. Uh, So let us uh, close this morning, um, and I'll just read the words of Psalm 127, uh, where we uh, celebrate or we see that the Lord. Uh, he is engaged in the building up of his house, his family, uh, and he will uh, accomplish that, and he, will, uh, he ha- has us to be a part of that uh, through the blessing that is children. Uh, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. And then jumping down to verse 3, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. Again, the Lord is building his kingdom and he is using uh, us here to do that and let us be engaged in that uh, as children, as parents, and as a community uh, in working uh, for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for this time this morning that we've had together in it. Uh, May you please help us uh, in response to to hear uh, what it is you'd have for us this morning to, to, uh, to obey uh, the commands that you've given to us. Give us strength through your Spirit to, uh, to love you, uh, Lord, to desire to know you and to work, uh, Lord, for your glory. Help our children, uh, our sons, to, to grow strong uh, like saplings growing up in their youth, and our daughters um, to be as columns sculpted in the palace style. Uh, Lord, help us to be a people marked uh, by the beauty that comes only in knowing you, Uh, as you, again, build us up uh, in strength for your work for generations to come. In Christ's name, amen. amen.